great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Great day. Amazing humans. Yes. Can you tell I'm already like I'm still making pump for this next interview. Our guest is a mental health advocate, international keynote speaker and best-selling author of four books. His TEDx talk on men and mental health has gained international attention and he has been featured on several television and radio programs. For nearly a decade, he instructed various mental health related courses at the college level while also working as an addictions counselor and clinical case manager. Today, like this very day, he is a highly sought out after speaker on various topics related to mental health and wellness. He has stood on more than 500 stages. I think the number is like a thousand or something like that. And is recognized for his engaging style and captivating approach. Having persevered through his own challenges with mental health and addictions, he speaks from a place of experience. His moving stories tug on heartstrings, inspire a new perspective, and allow people to connect with themselves and others at a deeper level. He uses humor and compassion, right? Oh, I love you already, to create a safe <laughs> space where people feel seen, heard, and supported. He's developed a genuine affection, uh, appreciation, and passion for learning and working with Indigenous people and communities. This has played a key role in his own recovery, and these cultural teachings can be found in his presentation. So, amazing humans, please join me in giving a warm podcast welcome for Alan Keller! <laughs> Thank you so much. You know what, in case you, I, I heard that your energy is your trademark. Touche. <laughs> it is. I try, I try, I try. So right off the gate, I'm going to, because I, okay, no, I have to ask you the leader because it, it, I have to keep structure. So, <laughs> Alan, I think you get this. I don't think you'll have any problem answering this, but I really want to know what was your most empowering thought that you had today so far? Uh, the one today was essentially that I create my own happiness. Mm. You know, I spent so many years, I think, giving my power away. So mm. that kind of hit me this morning. I'm going to take my power back and a large part of that is finding my voice. I think collectively, when we find our voice, we will find our power. Mm. Mm, we got to talk about that. I don't, I hope I have a question about how you start to find your voice, but we're going to get into that. But right now, I'm just looking at a very beautiful human, very, very much uh, tatted up. And there's one that's peeking up. Um, I'm just describing this for anyone that has to look through this, through audio, uh, listen to this through audio, peeking up at the top of a shirt. And so I asked him, are you tatted all over and he said no not so much and I said well and I said yeah well, I'm peeking up here and so really want to understand the significance of that thank you for asking you know and it's a little heavy but it's uh, a sure. huge piece about who I am and what I do mm. so I you know like in Keiichi sometimes you're fortunate to meet your person in life right mm. the one who gets you more than anyone else that for me was my best friend Justin Andres mm. and we had a very similar journey and uh, we lost him to suicide. And uh, 
Uh, man, I learned so much, but you know, I I I traced over his initials J A, mm. and that's what's on my throat J A because that was my statement to the universe that I am I'm so I'm so done with the silence, mm. not only for my own struggles, but I want to help others put a voice to their pain, and I surrounded it with the phoenix, which is yeah. very much about as you know rising above. Mm. Life to me is hard, so. Mm. You know, it, it, it's interesting because Justin is the guiding force behind so much of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I would actually say that I am closer to him now than when he was here in the physical, because I think that the veil between this world and the spiritual is so thin. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Am I allowed to cry already? Like, <laughs> yes, grab a oh tissue. God. Tears are medicine. Tears are beautiful, actually. And so um, can you just, do you remember that moment, that tip over? Like what what enabled you to find your own voice? Because there's so many people that are incarcerated by fear. Like, so sorry, just let me just, let me just share something. I'm not sure if you've seen it, if you haven't. There's a great video that I love to watch by Kirk Franklin. And it's uh, Why We Sing. It's called Why We Sing. And he, uh, the video has him at a jail, right? Um, an inmate, so men. And like when you look at the when you look at the video, video the, the the word that comes to me is freedom. Yeah, and it's freedom that I'm looking at for men that are incarcerated. And I would, I play with a lot of people, especially a lot of people that are trying to really find. And I always say, the darkness is not a thin. It's you know, darkness is the absence of light. So they're trying to find their light to just that, you know, to be able to turn it up a bit. Because to me, it's like, there's so many people that are incarcerated physically. And I think it starts with voice, right? Like it's whether it's you talking to yourself or so, you know, what was that for you? Thanks for sharing all that. I appreciate it. It's a great metaphor. I was speaking with an elder not too long ago, and he says, Al, it's okay to let the bird in your mind, but do not let it make a nest. Mm. And when I think back about my struggles through mental illness, trauma, addictions, that that was my problem. I would let those thoughts percolate, and I had a hard time being vulnerable. I had a hard time letting people in, and for that reason, it got darker and darker, and I withdrew and I isolated And my saving grace, what allowed me to turn a corner was when I started to understand that vulnerability is strength. When I started to give myself permission to walk into some of those support groups and hear that I wasn't alone, Mm -hmm. you know, words like me too. Mm -hmm. What? I mean, I had no idea that other people had similar thoughts. And then as as soon as I started to share my story, I found out that through pain, there can be a lot of purpose. And I started to connect to people in very powerful ways. Like, you know this in Keiichi, what is more powerful? What is more sacred than someone's story? And we all have one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so you and I right now look completely different. So just there's gender there's color there's there's hair like <laughs> like we're so polar opposites but you know what connects us is our story yeah right and uh it's just a lot of us donating aren't to able to find the voice to tell our story so how did you start to like how did you even figure out what your story was and i'm so off script because 
because from your openings and I, that's the best thing about sharing stories is like it starts to take you starts to open up your mind to other possibilities i think it's awesome so yeah what how did you start to unpack what that was like tell it in a way that started to inspire I, and, and I, I love that you went off script. I mean, that's that's the organic, authentic, best way to do it. So I appreciate it. You know, so I, I was an alcoholic. Uh, I was a compulsive gambler. I lost everything to that one. And there's so much shame around gambling. And what I found is, like, I, to give you some background information, I was given a month to live at one point because of my destructive lifestyle. But But nobody knew. Cause I didn't let people in and I was functioning, you know, I was teaching at a junior high school when I ended up collapsing, but I realized I, I have to do something with this. You, you get to that place where if you want something different, you have to do something different. So I find an organization in Edmonton where I was living and it was called the problem gambling resource network. I drove there. I marched up the steps and I said, can I speak with the executive director? He was there. His name was Ray. I shook his hand. I said, Ray, let me be a face to this. Let me be a voice to this as a young man. Let's go. 75 bucks. (laughs) Off I went. 75 bucks to go to jails, treatment centers, schools. Loved it. Terrified. Mm. Terrified. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we have to do things afraid. Mm -hmm. And the more that I talked, the better I felt. Well, go figure, because the definition of healing for me is pretty simple. The more that we get the darkness out, Mm. the more room we make for light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually. And and I also, um, so I say it a little bit, I think I said it earlier, I say it a little bit different. Like darkness is not a thing, right? Like you actually can't turn down darkness. Hey, let's put that on a billboard. I like that. <laughs> like, you can only turn up light, right? Or you can yeah. turn down light. And so, um, so I love that. So, but, but I'm missing a little bit. I'm missing a little something like you, what inspired you to, to do that? Like, was there like, what was, what actually inspired you? What made you, what brought that thought? Like, why, why was that? the? I think I was just sick and tired. Mm-hmm. I was so sick and tired of, of suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It, it, if I didn't do something different, I'm not here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the place that I got to. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started to speak, I felt better. And I mean, if, if there's a reward for any of our behaviors, we will continue to do it mm-hmm. because I grew up in a very small community, like four and a half roads. And my challenges with mental health began in grade eight. But as a young man, it wasn't modeled that it was okay to talk about your emotional pain. So Mm -hmm. I suppress it and I paid the price. And I think it just, you get to the tipping point where I'm either going left or I'm going right. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started, no looking back. And honestly, everything that I do is so much bigger than me. I am this little conduit and I am just so, so grateful. Like if, if, if I look back at my life, Mm -hmm. there is no logical reason why I should still be alive because I I was always trying to harm or kill myself Mm -hmm. and shame fueled that. But I feel like I'm just here to carry a message. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And uh, I find life hard, Mm -hmm. but I also find it very rewarding. rewarding. Yeah. So I uh, I have to ask, because um, I truly believe that a lot of times, you said it, you 
pain to purpose, right? And I, a lot of times I feel like, um, so there was 8 billion people in the world. There aren't 8 billion, uh-huh. there aren't 8 billion problems, right? There's a collective of problems that all of us at some point or other navigate in different ways, right? And I always say, if you ever have a problem, just Google, you'll find somebody else that's had it, right? Like that's the best way. And once you, that whole me too, right? Like, oh man, there is somebody out there. So what I'm asking is, and then not, sometimes we were chosen to go through things and why we wouldn't, why we wouldn't choose it, we wouldn't change it. And it sounds like that's the space you live from now. And so have you met somebody or who have you met in your journey who probably is, story resonates exactly like yours, who you feel, had they not met you, might have had a different circumstance. Have you come across that? The fortunate thing for us is we get to stand on stages and we get to share a message. And we only, I think, hear from a select few who really get it, right? But what comes to mind, there's one man, uh, his name is Joe Roberts. He's become a great friend. He's he's a international keynote speaker. You know, he's, we're caught from the same cloth. When we, those of us who are in recovery, you know, we speak a similar language. And um, my circle is very small, but it's, it's a lot of times um, through the message that I've just been able to continue some really great friendships just because we have the similar lived experiences. And I think that, that's everything. Surround yourself with people who get you. Cut ties from the ones who don't. Cut ties from the ones who don't lift you up. Like your energy in KG is just infectious. And it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, thank you. And you're not even you're welcome. I appreciate that. So <laughs> I wanted to talk about um the 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 appreciation and passion that you've sort of developed working with people, indigenous people and communities. Um, first of all, maybe you could talk about how, like how that came to be. And then also how has that indigenous culture and teachings influenced your own recovery journey? Oh, it's been everything. I was raised in a Mennonite Mm. village, basically. So religion was not a choice. That's what I lived. Mm -hmm. And then 10 years ago, once I was in a position of strength and had supports around me, I started to recall that I was being sexually abused throughout my entire childhood. And like, I didn't know that that was even in there. So I've had such a hard time with organized religion. That's, that's my stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm very, very spiritual. So my saving grace was that I was hired at an indigenous college as a teacher. And when I got hired there, I said right away, my soul is home. And I, I, I just, it just all fit the harmony, the love, the, the holistic approach, you know, it, it, it just all felt right with my students. So I taught mental health and wellness classes, people who wanted to be counselors. Mm -hmm. And every Friday we would sit in a talking circle and we would cry and we would smudge. Mm -hmm. And it just, it just allowed me to connect. I was taught about the medicines, about tobacco. The first time that I offered tobacco when I traveled to communities, um, because to me, me, that's a big part. When I travel to a community, it's just respecting the land that I'm on. So I pull over and I offer tobacco and give gratitude. The first time that I did that, the eagle showed up. Like, Like it literally showed up. And I don't share this with a lot of people because it's personal and it's spiritual. And often it's like, whatever. 
No, it did. And that's, I've always had a connection with it and it continues to show up to this day. And so I do a lot of work with different indigenous peoples and I, I tread very softly because I feel like being non-indigenous, there are certain things that I, I have no right to talk about, but I've gone through the sexual abuse. I've gone through the trauma, the addictions and the healing. And you know what the most beautiful part is in the last six months, I've delivered keynotes at five different men and mental health events with an indigenous focus because there's this beautiful shift it's about finding that inner warrior you know going within which is hard for a lot of us because that means we have to feel and those holistic teachings for me are just oh i don't i don't even that's it's really hard to put words to things that are spiritual yes 100 percent. yeah um, I also, I'm Catholic and, um, but I, I would say I have more relationship with God than, than religion, than I believe in religion, right? Like, I think it's all about relationship and I, it's definitely not just Sunday. It's just, it's in everything that you do. It's, you know, how you look at yourself in the morning, you know, how you actually, you know what, this is going to lead me to the next question. Um, and then I want to double click a little bit on men and mental health and what you've identified in your research and how perhaps even just using your voice here, you can help some more, but habits. So to help continue for you to, because mental health is a journey, right? It's uh, something that all of us, we like there's gunshots going off in our, in our brains all, it's the biggest battleground. So what, yeah. what are your habits? Like, how do you like, if you just take us through like a day, what are some of the things that constantly show up through your day that help and serve you and protect you? Early in my recovery, I learned the power of gratitude. And I know that that's significant for you too. And it's, it's something that my, my, my brain, and I like how you phrase it, that battleground, because I just, I had this inner war with myself for so long and I almost didn't make it. And it was a lot of, uh, a lot of learning around reprogramming, focusing on what's going right, Mm -hmm. not what's going wrong. And the more that I did that, it became automatic. And it's to the point where I open my eyes and there's, there's gratitude, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can list off boom, boom, boom. And that, and that's nice because, you know, during those struggles there, I I had a hard time getting there. Mm -hmm. So I think starting off the day in a good way is really key. Uh, Prayer is important to me. Just because I, I always, I always say, just use me. I have a very limited time. We all do. So my, my, my prayer is just help me go where I need to go. And those who need to talk, you know, I'll listen. And it's, it's that simple. And it's, it's also, you know, the habit is a grind. Mm. I get hundreds of emails from people who say, oh, Al, I want to do what you do. And I'm sure you do too, right? Like, I want to, I, I want to be like you. Carry my <laughs> no, message. I want you to be like you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. But it, it, you, it's a grind. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you fight to make what you want happen. Mm-hmm. And I have shed the victim mentality long ago. Mm-hmm. And if you want something, you fight for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so I have developed that mentality where, um, and my wife, Tanya, I'm so fortunate to have a partner who lifts me up and who thinks how I think, and I can debrief. And anytime, you know, I start living in my head, she can help me to identify it and I'll, I'll talk. So the, the habit 
is in large part learning how to put a voice to what I'm going through rather than going back to that battleground that you Mm -hmm. spoke of earlier. Mm -hmm. What about you? (laughs) What about you? What's, what's like some of those habits that have really evolved and stuck for you? Uh, So I think waking up at the same time every day is important. Um, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I think results from the routine. So as soon as I, my eyes open and my feet go over the bed, I actually hear the devil say, damn, she's up. I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) 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 And then I get down, I pray. Um, I didn't, I do mantras, right? I, I, Uh I have made it a habit that I'm the first person that I speak to every day. And, uh, maybe my husband, my, no, my husband does get a good morning. Like he gets a great morning, but then he goes off and he does his meditation in the basement, but I get to the mirror and I start, I, you know, my body's rested and my mind is clear. I start my day with positive thoughts and energy. I'm relaxed on there. And I just look at myself and, and I smile. Like I make it a habit to smile and, and just kind of, we see ourselves, but we don't truly or we look at ourselves, but we don't truly see ourselves, right? And so as I'm saying that, I'm like, I'm seeing this beautiful person looking back at me. And and I recognize that, that it, it, it over time, having that kind of habit has given the world the language to use to speak to me. That's why to that earlier question you asked me, do people try? And I'm like, no, because the language I use to speak to myself is so much louder than any language that people can use to speak to me. That's awesome. Well, here's a question. (laughs) What percentage of people do you think have an authentic and real relationship with themselves? Because you said, you know, it's about seeing yourself in the mirror. So in your experience, what percentage of people do you think have a true authentic relationship with themselves? I say that I'm going to tell you, I I believe, I don't know. I haven't studied this. I think the percentage is very low and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll also qualify that because even me, Every single day, I constantly have to ask myself, am I having an authentic moment with myself and, and you, for example, as, you know, just kind of constantly checking myself. Is there anything that's not, like, is there anything that's out of this equation right now? Right? Like, am I feeling angst? Am I feeling, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's just this constant, I don't know how to express it, but it's just, it's around. And, and sometimes it's very, I can feel it and I can audibly hear myself asking myself that question and sometimes it makes me put my feet on the ground sometimes Hmm. it makes me be courageous and and say you know what I'm just gonna say this because it's in my spirit you know what I mean and so how about yourself that's cool I'm with you I'm with you 100 percent sadly I think it's very low and my definition of addiction is it's a way to live outside of self so that we don't have to be with self Mm. in my conversations with people a lot of individuals are hesitant to go within because to go within means there's a lot of pain and they have to feel. And we live in this world of distractions and hustle and bustle. And so it's very easy to live out here. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really existing. Uh, I would say to live is to go within, to feel, but, but, but to live is hard. Mm-hmm. Like you, you start asking people. And I do this in some of my keynotes mm-hmm. or workshops mm-hmm. where it's like, Let's let's talk about the things that you want, the things that you need, the things that you love, the things that you wish for, the things that you fear. You have two minutes. Go. And it's like, oh, I can do that. Why is it so hard? Oh, that's right. Because now the focus is on you. Mm. It's so funny. I feel like you're going to keep going and then you stop. I'm like, don't (laughs) stop. And what else? Like what else comes out? That's all. That's it. That's the cliffhanger. (laughs) So I'm going to, you know, I'm, these are not rapid thrivers, but I want to test you out. Hold on. Okay. So I had a really amazing corporate experience this week and there were some, 
as part of like getting to know each other better, we there were some questions that were asked, and um, and so some of them really have like when I like in, like what I just explained, I wanted to make sure that my most authentic self was in the room. So I I actually remember the breathing and how I was standing when I answered these questions, which means that they're actually very meaningful. So I've taken them and so I'm going to start to ask people these questions. So the one I want to mm. ask you is. Um, what is one thing you can't live without? Hope. That's a hundred percent. Hope has always been the anchor of everything. Like I used to say, there, 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 there has to be more to life than this hell that I'm going through. There just has to be. Mm-hmm. But the difference is, hope also requires action, doesn't it? A hundred percent. Hope isn't enough, and you know. I don't know if it's rapid. Does rapid mean I have 18 no, seconds no, no. for this, each question? I'm saying I'm not even into the rapid questions. I'm saying I'm inspired <laughs> by this conversation with you that I've totally gone like, my team's going to be like, what? I spent hours researching. Oh, okay, go, go. Okay, yeah. cool. I like where it's going. So I moved 12 times in six years. And then eventually you realize, hmm, you can't really run away from yourself. But I had this one constant. I was gifted a small poster from my parents, and it was a picture of a sunrise. And it was an African proverb. It said on the bottom, however long the night, the dawn will break. And I tell you, in Keiichi, I I hung that up on every light switch mm. of the 12 places. And it, it that was my, like, I... Mm. Mm-hmm. It, I just, and I don't know if that was bigger than me or what was going on, but I always, I always knew there, there has to be a reason. And even now when life gets hard, the beautiful thing is I know because of lived experience that it will pass. Yeah. We had a very similar, I actually can resonate a hundred percent with that. My question was, I can't went about it a very different way, but very, very, it's, it resonates the same. It hits me the same. Hmm. It's a beautiful so the other one I want to know um, from you. Wait, so the answer for you, what was the answer for you? So I, so my dad, my dad passed last March and I remember at his eulogy and I got some of these words from my, actually my co-host Gabby Mamone. She, um, I said that my dad taught me a lot of things. Like he taught me a lot, like how to ride a bike and all this, any other. And I realized that we never talked about how I would live without him, you know? So I always, you always kind of think you can't live with those that you, love the most. We say it all the time, can't live without my family until I realized that I'm actually living without him. And then I had to ask myself, it's God. God's my hope, my faith, everything. It's God that I can't live without. That bigger, higher, you know, um, sense of being that is constantly around and available for me to, to reach and, and plug into fascinating thanks thanks for asking the question and thanks for providing your response i appreciate that <laughs> so i want to i let's talk about men oh yep married to one <laughs> ah, how's that going it's going great 21 years, <laughs> 21 years i'm still looking to get my phd and ah. um but we but it's it's really different like you know like um even recently you know um he lost his father and it enabled him, you know, I think, I think there's things that can happen in our lives that open ourselves up, but, but typically, yeah, men aren't willing to really expose their feelings. And so how have you helped 
men do so? Like, is there a, a step one? I feel as though the best way to empower men to change the narrative is by stories. The The, the last book that I wrote mm-hmm. was on men and mental health. And I realized, and we talked about this before, nothing connects us like someone's story, okay. right? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so vulnerability will lead to more vulnerability. And more and more men are saying, hey, here's what I've gone through. And as soon as they do that, that's the connection piece that allows other men to be, hmm, wow, okay, so they weren't ridiculed, they weren't judged, they were actually met with some compassion, and the more that that happens, then we're moving the right way. And even on social media, in the last, I would say, two years, it is so phenomenal to see how many people will openly talk about their struggles, or they'll they'll say, you know what, I got 30 days sobriety today. And they are applauded and loved. I did not see that happening five, ten years ago. So the 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 trend is moving the right way because more people are just saying exactly what they went through. No more BS. They're being authentic and real. So I'm going to ask you something really live, and you got you, the only answer you could say is yes. Just oh. so you know, so it's really a rhetorical question. I'm going to have a oh. panel, a man panel, oh. uh, for November. And we're going to be talking about the, you know, the mask masculinity, mental men's mental health, and uh, I want you on the panel, okay? Okay, so yes, you didn't need to say yes. I already. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so rhetorical. It's going to be so awesome. So, um, so I, you've answered the next question. Unless, of course, there's more that you want to add to it. This we throw around this whole world of ally and allyship and all this, any other, and I think there's something bigger and deeper than that in terms of how to really support and advocate for mental health and what have we still not unlocked as humans? Like what, why is there still, as much as we talk about it, as much as there's so much books, as much as it's way more, like you said, on social media and people are sharing, there's still a stigma a bit. Oh, a hundred percent. And especially within the corporate world, uh, I do a lot of work with leaders and I do a lot of work in the mining industry, construction, because that still has that macho. And I, I'm very much about, okay, well, let's redefine what it means to be strong. Mm-hmm. Because anyone who has given themselves permission to go to that place of pain and speak openly, that mm-hmm. is courage. That is absolute courage. That's so courage. where we run into problems is where we suppress it. And I mean, Justin, like, when when we lost him to suicide, it I I and you know I was trained in all this. Like I was a counselor at the time, so I took it really personal. But you know what it is when when we know better, we do better. Mm. And there are more and more conversations, more strategies, and and so I think that, like I said before, we're 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 definitely trending the right right way. But having said that, and you set it up in your question with the men having a hard time feeling, which is why our suicide rate is three times greater than women, mm-hmm. you know, like it's still deafening. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, I'm the guy who gets called and goes to schools or communities after a suicide. And it's, it, it's, after. it's really hard. Um, It's really hard, but you, 
you either go left or you go right in those moments, you know, like a lot of men will go to alcohol because it's socially acceptable. It's readily available. And a lot of men, what I have found, and I can relate to it too, the go-to emotion is, what do you think? A lot of men or women? Yeah. What's the go-to emotion when, when men are struggling? Anger? Yes. Irritability and anger. But you know, I, I was a really angry person. I've gone to almost 30 different mental health therapists. I've done a lot of anger management. So I was the guy who actually talk about road rage. Like I'd get in my car and follow people to their house. And Keiichi, that's not good. No, it's not. <laughs> I've done some work. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, but you know what I learned in therapy is anger is a secondary emotion. What fuels it? Well, for me, it was sadness. But being a man, it wasn't taught it was okay to be sad. So it's rewriting those scripts. And, and isn't it interesting, ironic, that I have four sons? Wow, seriously? God, mm. you're on a mission and an assignment. <laughs> I can't even imagine the conversations. Like, talk to me. No, how do you really feel right now? <laughs> yeah. Let those tears it- come. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I uh, now I'm going to take you through some rapid thrivers. Right. And uh, when you think of someone who inspires you, comes first to mind. Joe Roberts. I alluded to him before, but 100% love the man. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Um, I think it's just the relatability, you know, it's, it's seeing others being able to do what it is that you hope to do. Mm -hmm. I love that. What is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? I think you alluded to that. The grind, you know, like I, I, I love the, the, even this, it's fascinating. You put something out to the universe and you get these beautiful organic conversations uh, that, that just go where they're supposed to go. Do you get a lot? I don't remember your question. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. It's the, it's the grind. It's gratitude. I was going to say, you mentioned gratitude, thrive, it helps you thrive. Do you meditate and work out? No, no. It's funny because. You don't work out? No. Nope, nope. That's a daily um, habit of mine, by the way. So, it, well, I know you get up at 4 a.m. And, and I think you hit the gym, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a loaded thing for me because I took kinesiology. I got a degree in phys ed. Everyone's always fit. I used to be. But so this is a tough one for me because if I'm honest, I, uh, and I said this before, I find life really hard. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of my head that says, why would you want to be fit? Because to be fit means you have to live longer. Mm -hmm. God, So that's that's heavy. That's heavy. Um, I never... But that's my my internal battle, right? So it's... um, And I'm real when I talk. Like, I'm not... I don't... it's, It's like people want to see this guy I think often who's got it all together, you know, media portrays me sometimes in a certain way, but I, I struggle with so many things. Um, but there are different ways in which like kids, my two youngest kids, they, they gave me permission to play. Mm -hmm. That has been a huge piece of my wellness. So, you know, I get physical activity through, through that. (laughs) We do flyer routes. We're in the backyard. We have three dogs. Oh, gosh. Um, That's a lot yeah. of activity. So how old are your kids? 
Well, two have left the nest. And um, I, so I actually was three months sober when I made the move from Edmonton to Saskatoon with, and I moved in with Tanya, who's now my wife and her two boys. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh man, like that was, in Keiichi, that was my, uh, ah, that's hard to talk about because that was that that was the the biggest turning point they they, i had such a hard time with loving self and when you get three people who love you for you Mm. and 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 isn't it interesting that sometimes we need people to believe in us more than we believe in Mm. ourselves because i move in with a lemon of a car forty thousand dollars of debt no job you know uh, what? Not the ideal, you know, potential husband material here. Three months sober, really? Okay. But uh yeah, we 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 grew together and uh man, I am so blessed, you know. Um it it's really I I wish everyone would just take time sometimes to reflect on their struggles and look at where they were and where they are, right? Like I feel like we sell ourselves short. What is a book that has helped you just become more empowered in your journey? You would think that I read a lot. I read maybe one book every year okay, or maybe every two years, but I really enjoy uh, biographies. Anyone who's gone through unique challenges, Clint Malarchuk is a really good friend of mine. He was a goalie with the Buffalo Sabres and he's the one who had one of the, the most infamous sporting accidents Mm. in history where his neck was cut by a skate blade and he almost bled to death in front of everyone. And so it it was horrific. And this is on live TV and he has gone through so much. He still has a bullet in his head from a suicide attempt, but he's here for purpose and he's transformed that pain. And he Uh, You know, we've shared a lot of stages together and he's so open about his struggles with trauma, Mm -hmm. with mental health. He helps others be vulnerable. He uses his story. So his book is, you know, if you want a fascinating book about mental health and recovery, Mm -hmm. Clint Malarchuk inspires me. Okay. An app, an app on your phone that helps you with your thrive. Hmm. I, I have this white noise one that I just got and you know, it that might not seem like it helps one thrive, but my head, oh, it's loud. Yeah, there's so much noise. And I know, I know, I'm sure, I know meditation would be good or mindfulness. And I I try, but this white noise, sometimes it's just, ah, it's just nice to hear some noise. So like sorry, so I just have to ask, you put, you put headphones on and you just listen? Yep, yep, yep. That's it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and it blocks out any thoughts. Yeah, it silences all the noise in my head. I just... Oh, I that's all I hear. <laughs> write that's that down. It. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, I'm going to write that one down. Yeah. Okay, you ca- I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear about this one because you kind of touched on it, so I'm hoping you'll go a little bit deeper. But what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you? Public speaker, author, four books, you know, married, four kids, you know? pretty inspiring and funny and you know what is that 
I think, yeah, the the misconception is that I have it all figured out, that I have it all together. The, there was this one reporter, he, he says, oh, motivational speaker, must be nice to always be smiling and upbeat. And I said, nope, <laughs> F that. You know, like, not even close. Life is hard. But I'm, I'm the same person on the stage as I am off the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the vulnerability piece is um, um, key. Yeah. You know, I think... Um... I think something we didn't touch on before, but you kind of alluded to it. I, I, I think I hear that a lot. Like I speak a lot. And so there's an expectation that I'm always on. Yeah. And I'm not always on, but what I'm always doing is I'm always articulating where I'm at in that moment. And that helps me continue to press forward you get what i'm saying like and so to others that might look like i'm always on but it's no i'm just uh, you know true story not that this is you asked me this question but like you talked about corporate and i think it's really important for us in corporate especially like someone like myself who's you know visible and um and quote unquote like an executive um one day i was having like i had a meeting i came out of the meeting feeling some anxiety and i was going into an, an a team meeting and this is a team meeting with all of my directs, right? And uh, and I, they were fairly new. I hadn't met them before, so I um, I hadn't I hadn't met them for a really long time. And and I realized I also didn't know who I was going to be in a new organization in the role that I am with these new humans that I'm meeting with anxiety. And so the only thing I knew to do was to actually communicate that I'm having anxiety. <laughs> it's Beautiful, like. Right? like I don't know, like, I don't know how this is going to go, but but let's go. <laughs> right. And I like, I, and I realized that at some point or other, what I got back from them was really loving, supporting energy, you know, mm. and, uh, and, it, and it's stuff like that, that happens to your point where we sometimes don't think about where we were to where we got to, like, even just that, like, there was a point in that meeting, uh, like just before I went in where I could have made a choice to say, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to share that I'm having anxiety, you know, and I chose to, and I'm better for it, <laughs> you know? So. Good for you. I yeah. love that yeah. because I, and I'm glad that it was received how it was received because I really do think that what people want is real. They want authentic mm-hmm. and they want to just see us as human beings who feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a, a definite shift, especially within the corporate world where they're starting to understand the power that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Good on you. Yeah, thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Okay, so where do we find more of you online? Mm, best place is probably just the website, A-L-L-A-N-K-E-H-L-E-R.com. Okay, so I will put that in the show notes, and I'm sure it's going to have links and everything to your socials. And as a parting question, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, but this podcast is called Empowered in My Skin, and would love to understand what that means to you. Um, I remember speaking with elders who said on the inside, we're all the same. Mm. And, and there's truth in that. Uh, because sometimes, and you said that before, you know, here we are sitting and we're very different physically. But we're the same. A soul mm. is a soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to actually become comfortable within one's skin, to be empowered, love it. Great work. We talked about this before. That means you have to go within. You have to have a relationship with self. And I'm. we said it before. Sadly, it's pretty low. Mm-hmm. But I feel as though the goal of this, the goal of what you're trying to do is help people 
to understand that that journey isn't that intimidating, doesn't have to be scary. And once you go there, it can be incredibly uplifting and empowering. Woo! You said it, folks. You got it. I love it. I love sharing energy with you. This has been amazing. You did not disappoint at all. Thank you so much, Al. And uh, to everyone that is listening, this is sadly where I have to say, we're out. Bye-bye. Well, you're not going to say bye? Bye, and Keiichi. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for joining. I thought there was just a mic drop. <laughs> there you have it i trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin as the late dr maya angelo said when you get you give when you learn you teach so it would mean so much for us at eims if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and tag us feel free to leave us a review over at itunes and follow us on social media at empowered in my skin Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.